Matthew 7, 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. And verse 14 says, Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. I don't want to get confused and start walking down the wrong path. I don't want to make decisions that are going to take me to a destination I never wanted to go to in the first place. I want to walk that straight and narrow path. And I hope you do too tonight. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. This evening for just a few moments tonight, I want to preach to you from this title, The Boulevard of Broken Dreams. The Boulevard of Broken Dreams. That might sound familiar because in 1942, a man by the name of Edward Hopper painted a picture called Nighthawks. People sitting in a downtown diner late at night on some city street. Uh, Kate, if you'd put that first picture up. This is Nighthawks. This is a very famous painting that when it was finished, it was sold to the Chicago Art Institute for $3,000 and has remained there ever since. It is his most famous painting as well as one of the most recognizable in American art. A more direct visual quotation began to appear in the 1970s, but perhaps the best known is the 1984 painting where I draw my title from tonight called The Boulevard of Broken Dreams. If you'd put that next picture up for me. Widely sold as a poster which replaces the three diner patrons with American pop culture icons, Humphrey Bogart in the blue jacket. No, keep going, go back to that picture for me real quick. Humphrey Bogart in the blue jacket, Marilyn Monroe next to him, James Dean sitting by himself, and Elvis Presley as the attendant of the diner. It was a take on American culture. It was a take on the American cinema of the 1950s with the tragic fate of the decade's best-loved celebrities. Go to the next picture for me of Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey Bogart in the 50s was the epitome of a motion picture tough guy. He starred in films such as In a Lonely Place, To Have and Have Not, and more famously, Casablanca. But Bogart was a very heavy smoker and drinker, and because of this, he contracted esophageal cancer. However, he almost never spoke of his sickness and his failing health, and he refused to see a doctor until January of 1956. This strong, famous man had just turned 57 years old and weighed 80 pounds when he died on January the 14th of 1957 after falling into a coma. On August 5th, 1962, Marilyn Monroe was found dead at her home. Dr. Thomas Noguchi of the Los Angeles County Coroner's Office recorded her death as an acute barbiturate poisoning resulting from probable suicide. She was one of the most well-known and considered to be one of the most beautiful women in the world at that time. Norma Jean Mortensen, a.k.a. Marilyn Monroe, died at the young age of 36. James Dean was the picture of the confused 
restless and idealistic youth of the 1950s. His most notable performance was in a film called Rebels Without a Cause. And on September the 30th of 1955, James Dean was killed in a car crash, if you go to the next picture, while driving his Porsche 550 Spider to a sports car race in Salinas, California. Dean's Porsche crashed almost head-on with a 1950 custom Ford Coupe. He was 24 years old. And if you would go to that next picture, Elvis Presley, the king of rock and roll, the movie star, the heartthrob, among other names he was given we won't share here tonight. You know what I'm saying. He was on top of the world. Everybody knew Elvis. Everybody sang Elvis's songs. Everybody had Elvis's records and watched him on television. However, journalist Tony Sherman writes that by early 1977, Elvis Presley had become a grotesque character of his sleek, energetic former self. Hugely overweight, his mind dulled by the pharmacopoeia he daily ingested. He was barely able to pull himself through his already abbreviated concerts. By this point in his life, he suffered from multiple ailments, including glaucoma, high blood pressure, liver damage, and an enlarged liver, each aggravated, possibly caused by his copious use of substances. On August the 16th, 1977, Presley was scheduled to fly out to begin another tour. However, that afternoon, he was found lying on the floor in his bathroom, unresponsive. Elvis Presley died at the age of 42. I know this is kind of a bleak start to a sermon, but I want to point out something that these four individuals had everything that the world could offer them. They had the most beautiful homes. They had friends. They had status and prestige. They had fame and power. The world was at their fingertips. Whatever they wanted, in a moment they could have it. But one by one, each of their lives ended in a tragic death. Four icons whose lives can be summed up in the simple phrase, the boulevard of broken dreams. It does bring home the words that Jesus said when he said, Why does it, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world if he should lose his own soul? Or what would a man give in exchange for his soul? Existentialism is a 20th century philosophy that simply says, Life has no meaning. So live life to the fullest. The irony of this just demented life philosophy is that it was not birthed in a concentration camp in Siberia or one of the famine-plagued villages of Africa, but it was birthed in the coffee shops of Paris and in the mansions of Beverly Hills. Because you see, despair does not come from failure and poverty. But real despair comes when you achieve everything that you dreamed of. But then you realize that not one ounce of it satisfies your heart and your soul. And I would tell you that there is something worse than failure. And that is when you achieve everything you ever set your mind to. And then comes the cold realization when you wake up one morning and realize it does not satisfy me. So I ask you tonight, what are you going to do when you achieve your success? When you get the promotion at work you've been gunning for. When you marry the perfect wife or husband. 
when you have the money in the bank, when you move into the new home, you're driving the new car, when you make the right friends in the right crowd, when your kids are in the better school, what do you do when you wake up and realize it was all for nothing and it means nothing? What do you do the morning you wake up and realize that what you thought would satisfy you, what you thought would bring you peace of mind, what you thought would bring you fulfillment only brings you pain and it leaves you empty? Or worse yet, what are you going to do when you walk out on your family? What are you going to do when you have that affair? When you find yourself addicted to the pornography or the alcohol or strung out on the drugs that were supposed to give you peace and make you feel better, but you realize they do not satisfy. And I've come to preach to somebody tonight, what you are looking for is not a drug. It is not at the bottom of a bottle and it is not in a syringe. It is not any sexual perversion or lustful thing that this world offers. Money will not fill the void in your heart. No amount of prestige, fame, fortune will ever be enough to satisfy the longing in your soul. Elvis, Marilyn Monroe, James Dean, Humphrey Bogart, Robin Williams, Whitney Houston, Kate Spade and countless others realized at their life none of it mattered. I'm empty, and so I need something to fill me. And their lives were destroyed. You will not find satisfaction on the internet, and you will not find it any place in this world. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through the philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and after the rudiments of this world and not after Christ. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. You are complete in Jesus. It doesn't matter what else you have. It doesn't matter if you've got a billion dollars. It doesn't matter if you have the largest home in the country. It doesn't matter if you've got fame and prestige or whatever else you can think of. Because friend, if you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything. Because there's a place in the heart of a human man and a human woman that can't be filled with possessions. Listen, I would love to wear a Rolex. I would love to drive a jacked up, blacked out Ford F-250 with a Power Stroke diesel. I would love it. Maybe one day I will. And if I do, that's awesome. If not, that's all right. But that will not satisfy the longing of my heart. It will not satisfy my soul. It will leave me empty. Because if I do not have Jesus, I have nothing else. And I've come to preach to somebody tonight and let you know it does not matter what you lack. It doesn't matter what it looks like you don't have because you are complete in Him. If you have got Jesus, you are the richest person in the world. You may have two cents and some belly button lint, but baby, you are more rich than anybody who has ever walked this planet. When you've got Jesus, you have got everything that you need. You've got everything that you need. The broad road might seem appealing, but it will not take you where you want to go. The destination of that road is death and destruction. It is a boulevard of broken dreams. Somebody once said that Sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go and keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay and cost you more than you ever meant 
to spend. It is the boulevard of broken dreams. That wide road that is smooth because so many people have walked it. It might look smooth, but it is lined with the remnants of what once was. What was once a full and joyful, happy, peaceful and abundant life. But somewhere along the lines, it was traded for a fleeting dream. A mirage, something that seemed so close, but always just out of reach. This is the road to heartbreak. This is the road to pain and to desolation. That's the wide road. But the narrow road, the one that only few travelers will follow, that is the one that leads to life and life more abundantly. It leads to life everlasting. And I am begging somebody tonight to stay on the right road. Don't give up. Don't don't throw in the towel. I know it's hard. I know it's uncomfortable. I know it doesn't make sense. I know sometimes the broad road looks easy. I know it looks a lot smoother. It looks a lot straighter. But if you can just hold on a little longer, if you can just keep the course a little longer, it will all work out in the end. And your destination will be streets of gold. Your destination is going to be a place larger than your mind can even comprehend. Your destination is going to be where Jesus Christ resides for the rest of eternity. Don't trade heaven. Don't trade heaven for something that's going to last you for about the next 40 or 50 years. Because heaven and earth will pass away, but this word, this word will never pass away. And this word gives us insight into the state of the church in the last days. I know this can be uncomfortable. I know this is not the kind of sermon people come to church wanting to hear, but if you would allow me to preach something uncomfortable tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-5 through 5 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of them own selves, covetous, Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? It sounds like when you walk out the doors and go to work. It sounds like when you go to school. It sounds like when you go to the grocery store. Because friend, this is the world in which we live. This is the definition of the 21st century. This is where we are at. This is what the scripture was talking about was this moment in time. But the statement I want to draw your attention to for the next few moments from that prophetic list is in the last days. Men will be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Notice that it did not say men would be lovers of the church or men would be lovers of God. I know that that you here tonight love God. I know that this church loves God. That's a fact that I will proudly stand on. But as a minister and as an evangelist, it is my fear that our love could turn to pleasures more than to God. 
It puts our churches in direct parallel with Israel during the days of the prophet Elijah. You see, Israel loved God. They loved Yahweh. They loved their heritage. They loved the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They loved to tell their kids stories of how God brought them out of slavery and bondage in Egypt with a strong hand. Ten plagues, the Red Sea, crossing the Jordan, the walls of Jericho, you get the point. They loved the temple and they loved the Feast of Days. But they also loved Baal. So God raised up the prophet Elijah. We read in 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 21, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow Him. But if Baal, then follow Him. And the people answered him not a word. And this is where we are at today. If Baal is your God, then follow Baal. If money can fix your situation, go get more money. If overtime can save your marriage, then by all means, work more overtime. If that new home will fill the void in your heart, then buy it. If answers can be found in a bottle or a needle, there's plenty of that around and it's not hard to find. But if the Lord be God, if Jesus is God tonight, if He really is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, then we need to serve Him. If He is God, then we need to live for Him. Come on, somebody. If He is really your God, then you have got to make a decision tonight that I will serve Him with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength. Stop going through the motions. Stop serving Him halfway. Jesus said, I would that you were hot or you were cold. So because you were lukewarm, neither cold or hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. What a terrifying statement. He said in another place, no man can serve two masters. It is impossible. You cannot serve one and please him and please the other at the same time. There is going to come a day where you've got to make a choice. Are you going to choose him or are you going to choose this world? Joshua said it well. Choose you this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You have got to pick a side tonight. There's no in-between. There is no surveying your options and seeing how it's going to feel tomorrow. There's no sleeping on it. You have got to pick. You have got to make a decision. There is no riding a fence. But I want to go on record and say, as for me and Annabeth, and we don't have babies yet, but one day we will. And when they're here, it will be the same answer. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It doesn't matter who compromises. It doesn't matter who decides not to serve Him. I don't care what church they go to. I don't care what their church does. We will serve the Lord. I don't care who comes and who goes. We will serve the Lord. God must become our first priority. He cannot be an afterthought. Well, Lord, I prayed today, or I would have prayed today, but the dogs are playing and I got distracted. It's a big game. They're playing Alabama. Whatever. But can I tell you that He is more important than some player on a field. 
He is more important than some player on a court. Come on, Kirby Smart is great, but Kirby Smart did not die on a cross for your sins. Jesus Christ did. He must be our first priority. I'm asking you tonight, where is your treasure? Have you laid your treasure on earth? Where moth and rust can corrupt, where the thief can break in and steal? Or have you laid up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt and where the thief cannot break in and steal? Because where your treasure is, it makes all the difference. It is a determining factor. And I will tell you this, where your heart is, so will be your treasure. As we all stand and musicians come, I realize that for some, church will never compete with the sofa and a television after a long day of work. I understand that there are things in this city and in this state and in this world that the church will just simply not ever be able to compete with. I know that things are going to come up that there's simply nothing we can do about. That's not what I'm saying But we have got to learn the difference between what is truly unavoidable and what is simply an inconvenience. Because there will be times when everything falls into place. And it's like God draws you as easy as a magnet into His presence. But then there are also going to be times when it's not easy. When we go through a dry season. And we try to hear His voice and we don't know where He's at. And it feels like our prayers are hitting this ceiling every single time we try to reach Him. It's going to be hard. There's going to be moments when every muscle in your body and every thought in your head screams, just stay home. You're there all the time. It doesn't matter. It's just one service. But it's in that moment that you have to make a decision. And you have to respond, no, I have made a commitment to Jesus Christ and to His church. If the doors are open, I'm going to be there. It's like a marriage. There's love. But there's also commitment for better or worse, for richer or poor, in sickness and health, in good times and bad times. And the best part, It's not till death do us part. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Friends, only what you do for Jesus Christ is going to last. Everything else will pass away. At the end of the day, everything else is in vain. I I understand it. It's great to have goals. It's great to build multi-billion dollar companies and have beautiful homes and, and nice things. And I'm all for that. But at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is the treasure that you lay up in heaven. All my life, I have been taught that God and church are number one. As a little boy, I can remember very few times, if any, that my dad ever missed church. Even when he was sick, it was incredibly rare because if the doors were open, My dad was there, partially probably because he was the pastor. But he was committed. 
and he taught me by example. I remember being a 17-year-old kid. I played varsity golf at Granville Christian Academy in Granville, Ohio. And my, my golf team was getting to play this super private course there in our area, Mound Builders Country Club. And I wanted to go so bad. This course was beautiful. I'd snuck onto it a time or two. And I, I'd played a few holes and gotten chased off. But it was a beautiful course. And I was so excited when coach said, hey, guys, we're going to go play Mound Builders uh, this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And then it's just all at once that sinking feeling, man, dad's not going to let me go. And so I go home and I'm like, hey, hey, dad, uh, you know, Coach Kaiser, he said that we're playing Mound Builders this week. And dad's like, oh, man, that's awesome. When, when is it? When do we need to have you ready for it? And I said, well. It's Wednesday night at 7. And he said, Landon, what else is Wednesday night at 7? I said, I know. And I was frustrated as a teenager. I wanted to play. But in my heart, I knew that my dad didn't have to tell me I couldn't go play Mound Builders. Because he had shown me from the time I was a child that the church is more important than anything else in this world. It's more important than baseball. It's more important than a football game. It's, it's more important than anything else because everything else is in vain. All that matters is what we do for Christ. I'm a blessed man today because my father and my mother put a love for God and a love for the church in my heart. He taught me that the house of God is important. Even if it means that you miss dinner, it's important. Even if you have to rush and show up a little bit late, the house of God is still important. Even if you have to push other things out of the way, the house of God is still important. As a church, we ask you for one morning and two evenings each and every week. Sunday morning, Monday night, and Wednesday night. And let me make it so clear to you. You have got to get your family into the church. You may have to bring your kids by yourself when your spouse is sick. You might have to pack those kids up for church while your spouse is at work. You might have to rush. You might have to fly out the door forgetting some things. The kids might have to stay up a little late to do their homework. But the lessons that you are teaching them are invaluable. And it will be worth whatever price you pay in eternity. If you want to avoid the boulevard of broken dreams, the directions are found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thine soul, and with all thy might. As a church today in 2023, we have got to get God back to His rightful place in our lives. We've got to find the narrow road. We've got to make a choice that we are going to finish well. Because it's not how you start that matters. It's not the middle of the race that matters. But it's how you finish. And I want to finish well. 
I want to get to the end of my life. (laughs) And I want to stand before the Lord. And when He reads my name, I want to hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I want to enter into that reward.